Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, a complaint arose from the Hellenists against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily service. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not appropriate for us to forsake the word of God and serve tables. Therefore select from among you, brothers, seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word. These words pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. All right, today we're in Acts chapter 6. Let's revisit verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, a complaint arose from the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily service. The early Acts church up to this point had dealt with a lot of opposition from those outside the faith. Now in Acts 6, the church has come up against some internal strife. The accusation was that the Hellenist widows were being neglected in the distribution. First century widows of that region, who didn't have relatives to take care of them, often found themselves destitute and utterly dependent on people's generosity just to survive. According to Susan Hyland, who's a professor of the New Testament, she said, a wife was dependent on her husband, and when she died, she went to live with her father's husband, if he was alive, or to an adult son if she had one. Having a father or son was fortunate because otherwise, widows were entirely without resources. This issue concerning the neglected widows within the church came on the tail of a huge wave of growth the church was experiencing. As the Jerusalem church got larger in size, the demand to meet all of their needs probably grew as well. Suddenly, what was working before didn't seem to be doing the job. Issues sprang up because of change and growth within the church, as well as differences in cultural backgrounds. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews from the surrounding nations. They were more inclined towards Greek culture. The Hebrews were the Jews from Jerusalem and the surrounding areas in Judea. They were more inclined towards Jewish culture. No doubt their differing backgrounds provided potential for division within the church body. It's possible some Hebrews could have viewed their Greek-cultured Christian brothers and sisters as compromisers, while the Hellenists could have regarded their Hebrew Christian brothers and sisters as maybe legalistic, self-righteous traditionalists. All right, so with that background and dynamic in place, the Hellenists were complaining that their widows were being neglected in the distribution. In other words, 
There was a perceived feeling among many of the Hellenists that the Hebrew widows were being favored in the distribution. Whether or not their perception was the reality, it was an issue that needed to be addressed. It could have just been through some unintended and non-malicious oversight the Hellenist widows were being neglected. Or maybe there were factions within the church body and some were actually favoring the Hebrews in the distribution. All right, so these kind of issues can also creep up among us today in the church, right? Diversity is a beautiful thing within the church body, but the temptation could be for the differences in culture, race, or perhaps even social standing to cause division within the body. For example, James wrote in James 2, My brothers, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory with partiality. For if a man with a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your synagogue, and a poor man in filthy clothing also comes in, and you pay special attention to him who wears the fine clothing and say, sit here in a good place, and you tell the poor man, stand there or sit by my footstool. Haven't you shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We can't show partiality. And we have to find a way to work through certain preferences and differences to stay unified as the church. This whole issue could have caused a church split. Could have had the Hellenist Church of Jerusalem and the Hebrew Church of Jerusalem. It's cool to learn as we study this chapter that that's not what happened. They were able to stay unified and, and face the problem head on and find a solution. So how does the early Acts church here successfully respond to the challenges they faced? Let's read from Acts 6, starting in verse 2. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not appropriate for us to forsake the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, select from among you, brothers, seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word. These words pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The apostles didn't ignore the issue here, right? Rather, they sought out a solution. They delegated the duty of administrating the distribution to seven appointed and qualified servants from among them. Facing unmet needs provides opportunity to introduce more people to service. We can all have a part to play. So they gave the congregation the responsibility of selecting seven men full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, whom the apostles would then appoint to serving tables, or in other words, to overseeing the distribution of funds for widows in the church. These table servants' practical service among the body was important and needed. Just like the apostles' calling to preach and teach was important and needed, overseeing the distribution was a ministerial administrative calling with an appointment from the leadership that was accompanied by prayer and the laying on of hands. So although their service was practical, dealing with temporal needs, it was also in a sense spiritual. With that in mind, we should perhaps consider that even seemingly menial tasks and service within the church like being a door greeter or helping people park, have a place and significance. The apostles, in their response to the problem, found a solution that didn't compromise their ability to fulfill the calling God had placed on them 
to be dedicated to the ministry of the word and to prayer. By delegating the responsibilities, they could remain faithful to their calling. The apostles couldn't be everything for the church, just like a pastor can't be everything for the flock. The body of Christ is made up of many parts, and of course they all don't have the same function. There's a variety of service, activities, and gifts within the church from the Lord. Everyone has a part to play. Paul taught in Romans 12, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's use them. You see, the apostles recognized this and trusted that God was raising up others to serve in certain capacities for which they weren't equipped or called. This isn't to say we should be so focused on a perceived calling or function within the body that we aren't ever willing to step outside of that to serve as needs arise. Nothing should be beneath us. We ought to be available, humble, and ready to serve. But neither is this to say we should serve in certain capacities long-term at the cost of abandoning the responsibilities, stewardship, giftings, and specific calling we have from God. We each have a niche, a lane in which to drive. I remember talking to a deacon from a certain church who told the story of how his pastor just had this huge servant's heart. This deacon loved that his pastor was willing to do the lowly things. He was willing to get his hands dirty and tend to like property maintenance and landscaping needs, for example. He'd be out there with the church members working alongside them day after day. But eventually this deacon kindly and lovingly told the pastor, we've got this. We appreciate the help and your willingness to serve in any capacity, but we've got this covered, Pastor. As our shepherd, we want you primarily focused on feeding the sheep through the ministry of the word and through prayer. Now let me say, with smaller churches, and especially if the church is just getting off the ground, the pastor of necessity may need to take on a larger burden regarding the temporal and administrative demands until the church has grown to the point they can financially support him there's something to say about a leader who serves in which nothing is beneath him. I think there's a powerful witness in pastors being willing to work with their own hands to support themselves if needed while ministering the word to the sheep. As the Apostle Paul demonstrated at times during his missionary efforts throughout the Roman Empire, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. Also, as we'll see in the example of Stephen, the ministry of the word isn't just for the church leaders. God powerfully uses Stephen, who was appointed to the duty of serving tables, to boldly and publicly minister God's word to the point of martyrdom. So Stephen and six others were appointed to this duty of serving tables, but they didn't just select random men. There was a standard. There were qualifications to be met. These were men full of faith in the Holy Spirit, of good reputation and trustworthy. This idea of servant or deacon as an office in the church continues on in the first century church. Years later, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy regarding qualifications for deacons. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, 
They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Also interesting to note regarding the seven men chosen to this office in Acts 6 is that they all had Greek names. They were likely Hellenists, so it appears the people selected leaders from among the Hellenists to oversee this issue. Maybe the attitude was, you're complaining about the issue so you can fix it. And what I think is more likely is that choosing Hellenists to leadership positions was an act of unification and submission from the congregation towards the offended party. Having Hellenists in the leadership would have been a smart solution in my opinion. These Greek men were perhaps more sensitive to the disparities that may have existed. They would certainly make sure the Hellenist widows weren't being neglected in the distribution. The congregation and leadership had entrusted trustworthy men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, to this task. What has God qualified and called you to do in the church today? How are you so crazy about me? You gave your life to set me free. By your grace that I had never known, I am saved, my life is yours alone.
love, I stand amazed At the change I feel inside, refining grace How are you so crazy about me? Gave your life to set me free By a grace that I had never known I'd say my life is yours alone How are you so crazy about me? By your light alone I see Serving you is all I can desire When my heart's aglow with holy fire How are you so crazy about me? You gave your life to set me free By your grace that I had never known I'd say my life is yours alone la da 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 That was Crazy About Me from the Adams Road album, Adams Road. Let me 
That was Come To Me from the Adams Road album, Book of Life.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Grace and peace be with you all.